Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. Um, this week I talk with Seth Wilcock. Uh, he's actually the founder of In Between Media, uh, which is where uh, Nate on the Dynasty Crossroads a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, time flies, eh? Um, actually does a lot of his work. So he suggested I talk to Seth, and I'm really glad he did. I had a great time. And we most talk about Cooper Cup and the Rams situation, but also Seth drops the player he most wants to target in most Dynasty Leagues right now, and I thought it was a really interesting suggestion. So please sit back and enjoy me trying to learn more about Seth, what they're trying to do in between media, um, and what he makes of this situation with Cooper Cup, the Rams, and the landscape of Dynasty, who is it best to send an offer on, even if you only have one league, who is the player to target right now. I think he had some really interesting answers. I hope you enjoy it. I really enjoyed talking with him. And uh, yeah, thanks for checking us out again. Let's go. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. So, Seth, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so my name's Seth Wilcock. I am the founder of In Between Media. Over at In Between Media, we do things a little bit differently. We combine feel-good lifestyle advice with our fantasy sports advice. So whether it's fantasy football, fantasy NASCAR, uh, fantasy PGA, we, we kind of do it all over there. And while we want people to win championships, win some money this season, we also want them to live a better life doing it and just have a little bit more fun doing it as well. So we're about good vibes and good times over there at IBT. And uh, Peter, a big fan of your work over here, man. So a uh, pleasure to be on with you tonight, man. Appreciate that, man. But there's no there's no cost for entry. You don't have to pretend. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would ask, and this is just kind of off the cuff, not even something I said that we might talk about, just because in-between media is fair, relatively new, and that's neither a bad nor a good thing, just I know less about you all. I, I've talked with Nate here on this podcast before, so like I, I know you all, but um, something that's going around in my social media right now is a conversation about gatekeeping. And also just what we should be trying to make in terms of fantasy. And as someone that's kind of at the core of trying to make new and interesting content for people, I thought you might have an interesting angle on it. Because I'm kind of... Absolutely. And that's a great question there, Peter. And I know there's kind of been a, a, a big reflection time in the fantasy football industry. And I think this is a time to be innovative with your content. I, I think the best people who are doing it right now have kind of found their niche whether that's some type of specific content they're making, whether that's their certain spin on it. And I think that's what makes this community and this industry so interesting is you see so many different companies doing different things and making it work that way. You know, there are a million fancy football podcasts out there, but I think those who choose to be different, those are the ones who are going to get connected with more, at least have those diehard cult followings that really prompt a show up in this industry so, you know, it, it, I definitely feel at times there is some gatekeeping going on, and I think we should kind of lower that guard a little bit. Um, but I also think at the same time, if you want people to follow your advice, you need to be held accountable at the same time of it all. And I guess the reason I'm asking is because, again, you're trying to make your you're trying to be you, you're trying to do your own brand, your own content. It's really interesting. And um, why did you decide lifestyle advice as just like a dynasty grinder? I'm only here because I want to beat my friends at fantasy football. Mm -hmm. Everything else is kind of ancillary. I just I just grind Dynasty anyway, and so I started to reach out to meet people that might teach me, but also to have some fun arguments, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, so growing up, I definitely noticed some different connections between fantasy football 
and lifestyle advice. So when it came to play, and I think the, the crux of it all is that there are a lot of trends and circularly things that you can grab from lifestyle and life that connect to fantasy football. Life is unpredictable. Fantasy football is unpredictable. I think that's maybe why so many people like it um, at the end of the day is because we can predict as much as we want. We can do everything to get ahead in life, but life's still going to throw you some curveballs, just like fantasy football every single season. So it was kind of drawing those connections. Definitely went through a lot of adversity early on in life that was kind of able to, to gain some wisdom from it and grow from those uh, traumatic experiences. And I want to help other people do that as well. And, you know, just bringing on the people I have in my staff the last couple of years, just seeing their growth personally has been great to see some of our audience members who, whether they're working through mental health things or, you know, starting a new point in their career. And it's just so cool to kind of see, see them grow from it. And I think the, at the end of the day, the biggest thing is like, I see fantasy football as an A to B journey. You start at the draft and then you finish hopefully winning a championship. And life is the same way. You start somewhere, you want to finish somewhere else. And, uh, you know, you kind of got to do everything you can to make it to that B destination. But at the end of the day, you have to enjoy the in-between. So that's what we are. We're over there to help you enjoy the in-between, enjoy the ride. Because if you don't enjoy the ride, what's the fun in even playing this game? What do you do in terms of fantasy? Like, what's your main interest? Do you play dynasties mainly, which is mainly well, everything that I do? Are you mostly a best ball player? Is there a type of fantasy you do? I'm a good, like, 50-50 split at this point between dynasty, redraft, keeper. I kind of like to play a little bit of it all. I kind of like some of those weird leagues as well. Best ball, I got to scratch that itch early in, in the spring and summer. I don't necessarily, like, love best ball i more just do it to kind of keep myself sharp for redraft season honestly to kind of keep my content fresh um but i I like it all man i honestly think there's perks to everything i love certain aspects of dynasty fantasy football and i love certain aspects of redraft so uh you know i'm kind of a jack of all master of none if that makes sense no that's great um play what you play man enjoy what you enjoy and you're i do a little bit of almost everything as well myself although um, I'm just trying to get a feel of uh, if I have to tell you I'm talking about dynasty or not. Because most of my questions in this podcast is dynasty focused. So if I'm like, if we're talking about Cooper Cup, we're really thinking about what's he worth to a team that mm-hmm. you know is going to be using him next year much more mm-hmm. than you know mm-hmm. how long is he going to be injured this year. So speaking of Cooper Cup, uh, he just got injured. He's pretty much out for the fantasy season. I think they're actually talking about moving into an IR now, so maybe done for the entire season. What do you what do you think about that kind of situation? Obviously, you're playing in all these different types of leagues. Um, but from a long-term perspective, a dynasty perspective, is Cooper Cup now worthless because he was older already? Um, do you adjust his value down a little bit or a lot? Or do you try and trade him away? Or is he just is there a is there a first thought you have on that situation? I mean, he's definitely not worthless because he has been one of the most prolific wide receivers we've seen. Within the last decade, I mean, last season he was incredible. This season he was on pace to be possibly the number one fantasy player again this season. And yeah. I, but there are there are concerns, man. Like, like you can't look past it. He's already twenty nine years old. Matthew Stafford's not getting any younger. Matthew Stafford's looked like trash this entire year as well. And like the Rams in general, like they have a lot of holes in that offensive line that concerns me long term. Is Aaron Donald going to retire after this season? There are a lot of question marks with the Rams right now being in the spot they are. I think they're three and seven on the season. So 
I'm not hitting the panic button if I am a manager of Cooper Cup and Dynasty, but I'm definitely looking around, especially if I'm trying to compete this season. It's like you said, Peter, I don't know if they bring him back at this point. Like, would you really risk it if you're already pretty much out of the playoff contention at this point? Um, and that's the thing. We don't know as much as we might like trying to guess and offer an answer on what the team is mm. going to do. It's, it's essentially a 50-50 bet. I mean, someone might have more insight because they play the game or they play in college or they're, they were a manager of a team at one point. But I just I don't know. I found one of the best. One of the things that make fantasy more enjoyable to me is just accepting certain things that I don't know. Like, I don't know when players are going to be more or less injured. I love listening to some of the injury guys we've got now. We've got people with actually qualifications. We do have insight on medical knowledge, which is amazing. But just off the cuff, when I'm trying to make a decision, if I don't go and consult one, I don't know if a player is going to get injured or if they're going to get more injured or if they're more likely. And so it's just a thing I don't know. And it's the same with what will a team do? I I, I, I don't know. Because um, even if you go look at the history of that kind of thing, it's such an individual and um, a circumstance event, if you know what I mean. Like a million things, they probably don't know fully what they're going to actually end up doing just now. And so instead it just becomes this, do I think Cooper Cup is still going to be good next year now to your point about the team it does matter that is a risk factor because it's definitely the role he's playing in this offense with an above average at least Mm -hmm. quarterback even Matthew Stafford this year was better was above the Andy Dalton line as it were and so that's, that's an added risk but at the same time I don't think Cooper Cup is less able to do it next year because I don't think the the fall off or the age curve or the the slow degrading of players' talents is really true in a vacuum. And so I don't think Cooper Cup is less able to do it. We see that every now and again when a player comes back for a one-off season or in the case of Antonio Brown, a one-off game before he goes crazy again and does mean things. Um, But even on that one game, like he's still putting up similar performance metrics. And so Cooper Cup's probably just as good and the risk becomes, is the team just as good? And... more than anything else. And so right now, I think his value's definitely dropped. I think he's probably dropped from uh, this year. He's easily as valuable if you're playing redraft or just concerned about this year. It obviously is in the top tier of uh, points per game production, but his value is already in question because you also have to accept that, you know, mm-hmm. and like we've got Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup uh, and, and Tyree Kill all well over the typical dynasty preference for age curves, right? Um, and that was probably going to sh- move down as we've developed several young, great wide receivers lately with another good class on the way. And their value was already kind of in jeopardy. And that was a long way of answering my own question. Essentially, I think he's probably worth about what Debo Samuel is right now. Debo Samuel is not an ideal. He's not 24 years old, but he's a proven top 12 player who's a few years, at least four years, I think, younger than Cooper Cup. And so that's probably what he's trading at right now, if I were to guess. Um, nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to side on keeping him because the upside of Cooper Cup is as much yeah. upside as you can get, if you know what I mean. But if your team is mid or terrible, there's almost it, it's probably worth trading because the risk factors, like you say, from the team from to the injury, it's a high ankle sprain, I think. So we should, probably should expect him to be able to get over that. And um, but still, the risk factors probably make it not worth hanging on at this point. And the reason I like to say it that way is because I find uh, too much dynasty advice is great and really important, but it's not very actionable. It's like, what do I do then? 
And I think if you've got Cooper Cup on your team and you're not, if you're a top t- contending team, it's worth trading him right now to go get points per game. It just is because winning is underrated. It's not something that happens every year in every league for every player. Um, and so you shouldn't under you shouldn't undervalue the opportunity to win this year. So go trading for points. DeAndre Hopkins, hopefully plus something, might be a way of doing that, for example. Or a Devontae Adams. Probably nine out of ten dynasty mm. managers feel that way about Cooper Cup right now. So where do you go about finding an edge there? If you know, I, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat from from most of it with you. Like I definitely agree. If I have a chance to win now, if I'm in the playoffs of my league securely, I would be shopping him. I would be shopping him for maybe a younger wide receiver who's scoring a lot of points per games right now, who I can also maybe get another pick back. Maybe I can get another young player back. That's kind of what I would be looking for. At the same time, as well, if I'm out of if I'm out of my league and Cooper Cup is my guy. I'm okay with holding on to him. I, I I think next year he's still a top five wide receiver coming into the year. I think the next year, as long as Matthew Stafford's back in 2024, he's that guy too. Um, if you want to rebuild, if you're at that bottom and someone's offering you maybe one of their, their, their top picks next year, I'm okay with it. But overall, I just, it's recency bias. You know, I, I, I don't think right, I want right. to, I don't think I want to play into that. I've sold Cooper Cup at his low before, before he shot off a couple <laughs> of years ago. And I, I've kicked right. myself in the butt for that. So, like, if you I, remember- I traded Tyree Kill the minute he did anything good, and that has proved to be nothing but the worst decision you could possibly. Like, I'm with you. I've done it too. It yeah. At the end of 2020, I don't know if you remember, but he was unstartable, Cooper Cup, at the end of 2020. He lost a lot of people mm-hmm. leagues. I won a dynasty league with him on my bench ended up trading him away for Mark Andrews and Leonard Fournette a package. Like I got a good package back. To be fair, if you got Andrews, you did okay. You actually, yeah, no, that's another difference maker right there. Yes, absolutely. But then I did have to watch the next season, him go off for the winning team. So, you know, it's a little bit of, of back and forth, but I think the main thing here is Peter's like, don't panic. If you have Cooper cup, he's still going to be a great wide receiver. He's getting surgery to be proactive here, but I still think he'll be back eventually sometime next year, early in the season, ready to go. So uh, I'm not too concerned long-term. I, I just don't want people to to panic about this. And I'm not going to belabor this point too much because we have what the team is going to be now to talk about. But um, what young wide receiver are you targeting with Cooper Cup? Because to me, when you said that, I was like, oh, you you are no way ever going to trade Cooper Cup then because I don't think you can trade him for any decent young wide receiver. Is the one that comes to mind that you think you could trade him for with a plus? Or is that just a dream? Like, that's what I would do, so you're probably going to end up holding him. So I, I think two names that come to mind that it's going to depend on on your league and, and how serious yeah. these guys yeah. are, but... Amon Ross St. Brown, I, I think they're concerned that Jameson Williams, like the, the, the manager might be panicking that maybe Jameson Williams comes back. I also think maybe T. Higgins, like like T. Higgins still has a couple weeks Ooh, of being a wide receiver yeah. one. So uh, Amon Ross still might be a little high for, to, to get right back for Cooper Cup right now, but I definitely think T. Higgins, you could probably get him plus something as well. Um, I think I'd do that straight up is why I'm asking. Like, And I, I like... Again, because it always depends on your league, this is why I try and ask specific questions and then we try and take it generic. Because what you're looking for is a younger wide receiver you actually think is better than your man. someone in your league might feel. Like T. Higgins, mm-hmm. 
little disappointing because it turns out, yeah, Jamar Chase is a wide receiver one there, even when he's not there. Um, and Tyler Boyd's pretty good in a pinch as well, I'll add. Um, or Armand Ross St. Brown, if someone in your league hasn't caught up to the fact that just because he was lower drafted doesn't mean his numbers are fake. And so you're trying to target players that you think might have more value. But yeah, I guess the situation that leaves on the ground, which again, will talk specific and hopefully it gives us an insight in how you try to view um, that kind of situation when it occurs is what are the Rams now? Like without Cooper Cup, who is pretty much the only bright spot in fantasy on that roster and pretty much in terms of their production, like he was the majority of it. He's getting on the season 23% mm. of their expected points um, and the team's still struggling. Alan Robinson did not now on a quote-unquote better team um, turn out to be what he was once for the Jaguars um, before this epic long disappointing journey <laughs> that he's taken. And what do you think happens now? This was already one of those ships that I thought was sinking here about four weeks right. ago. That I, w- I was bailing on all Rams if I hadn't already. Um, I, honestly, after seeing them in week one, I, I sold all the Daryl Henderson I could while he had some value. Um, I got yeah. out of him. Allen Robinson, I didn't have any part of this season. But, I mean, I'm just not believing that this is going to benefit Allen Robinson that much. He's three straight weeks now, Peter of a wide receiver four or five finish for him. He hasn't been reliable. He's gotten targets. He's just not, he's just not that good with them anymore. Um, whether that's Matthew Stafford, whether that's Wolford, like, and people last year, like, like I just don't get what the appeal of Allen Robinson was coming into this year because sure, maybe he just dogged it. Maybe he was on a bad team, but at the end of the day, he was awful last season. He was awful to begin this season. I was telling people after week one or two, sell Allen Robinson while people still think there's a chance for him to turn around. So Always. if someone if someone still thinks that in your league, I mean, I'm willing to get rid of Allen Robinson today, signed, sealed, and delivered. I think if anything, this is maybe going to benefit Van Jefferson. Caught a touchdown last week, seven targets, season high for him there. Um, I think it's going to benefit him. I think Higby gets a little bit of a boost. But outside of that, man, like I don't want anything to do with this Rams offense um, j- just right now, man. It is just a mess out there in Los Angeles. I like the whole hang on to the idea a player is good and the situation can improve idea. But like after a couple of disappointments, I do also think of, it's the A.J. Brown rule, right? Corey Davis does okay for the Tennessee Titans. And then A.J. Brown comes in and shows what he can do in the exact same mm-hmm. situation with Corey Davis as an anchor, like someone else who's pretty good that can compete for targets. And, and Alan Robinson just keeps proving that he can't make a situation good. And to me, that means it's not just a situation. At a certain point, and I don't know why, I certainly don't evaluate his talent beyond that. Having said that, not to Alan Lazard our way into a bad take, everyone, it doesn't matter how often it fails, the targets have to go somewhere narrative is going to keep playing. And it, it frankly, Alan Lazard's the upside of it. And this week, it's no longer Alan Lazard, by the way. I don't think any of these players, especially once we take it into that context of Alan mm-hmm. Robinson, what he's been doing lately, I don't think any of them have shown us anything to expect that they can develop a 20% plus target share. And if they do, they will maintain it next year again. Um, like Ben Skoronik, Skoronik yeah. slightly interesting. I just ran a few numbers, and he's the one who seemed to get the most benefit. And so, especially in DFS or redress circles, you're always looking for that spot start, spot start in a changing situation and hope 
there's more there than we don't know about. But outside of that, I don't think there's a play here because, like you say, I just don't think there's another good player who can do it on this team. Having said that, you do, did say something interesting that you were selling Rams. Is that something you often apply or try to look for in fantasy? Like try to get out of teams and only because rostering good players on good teams is you know a perpetual mm-hmm. thing. I think most mm-hmm. fantasy players would agree, but I'm not sure everyone would have identified like uh, Daryl Henderson or Cooper Cup as someone to get out of earlier than right now because of the team situation. Is that something you find yourself leaning on a lot in fantasy? You know, a lot of fantasy, especially when it comes to redraft, is being in on good teams. So I want to be a part of good teams. When right. when you recognize those good teams early in the season, the Eagles, that was one that I wanted as many Eagles as I could get. I wanted as many Vikings as I could get, kind of loading up on these teams that I thought were going to take that jump. I was big on the Jets this year. Like, I, I loved Brees Hall. I had Brees Hall everywhere, Garrett Wilson everywhere, because I thought they could maybe take that next jump, jump, uh, step, step as an organization. So – I, I do. I do look to get out. Like, like Daryl Henderson is just part of people are always willing to pay up for the Rams running back. So I, I think there's, you know, s- some misconceived value because we're still living on the Todd Gurley high from 2017, 2018. Right. Uh, even then it was a share and no, no one's ever willing to admit that, but carry on. <laughs> no, I no, I mean, that's exactly right. So yeah, I, I do look to get out of teams. Like I'm not selling the best player on, on each team and, Sometimes maybe I panic like uh, in a couple of redraft leagues. I did sell Devonte Adams a couple of weeks ago because I was panicking a little bit just on the Raiders and that backfired. Right. So, so it is risky and it can backfire on you. Um, and there are some players on really bad teams that are really great. Allen Robinson early in his career. He was that guy. Amon Ross St. Brown is that guy for the Lions. So there are certain situations I'm fine with it as long as there's a high enough volume of an offense. But the Rams are just a team right now. There's no volume in this offense. They're, they're bottom three right now in yards per game, bottom three in points per game. So it's those low-volume, low-scoring offenses. That's who I'm trying to get out of. No, I think you approach it in an interesting way. Like you said, it could always miss. Um, but the fact you went to Daryl Henderson is interesting because – like right now, I like Kyron Williams. I like his rookie profile. I think I have him ranked mm-hmm. slightly higher than most DLF rankers, and none of us have him in the top 100 pink picks or anything crazy like that. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of interested in his rookie profile. And again, good players can make situations. Bad, good fantasy players coming from bad teams is just old hat now. It happens a lot. Some of the best running backs coming from the worst teams or wide receivers for that matter. But um, it does limit the expectation. If the team's not going to the red zone as often, it is more difficult. They have to be exponentially better. And so I'm slightly disappointed for Kyron Williams. Like, I think if he's good, he should still be able to do something. But on a worse team, it's harder. And now there's a little less hope. Um, But Kyron Williams isn't the type of player you try to trade away from a bad team. Instead, it's those with the other risk factors. Darrell Henderson is an aging, limited role player as it is. If someone's willing to trade a second a few weeks ago for Darrell Henderson, I guess I'll just bleed over into another situation before I let you get out of here. Maybe I'll let you get out of here. I don't know. Um, Of how targets work. Um, Last week, Terrell's Tony had a great game, honestly. In fact, it seemed to be a game everyone was scoring. A touchdown for everyone, unless your name's Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not allowed touchdowns, we have learned. Um, uh, yeah. What do you think of uh, Kadarius Tony? Now, obviously, 
can evaluate the player, but I mean, in this situation, was this week the beginning of something real special? Because it could be. Um, or is it just he's part of this spread offense now? You know, the Chiefs wide receiver core in general has kind of been disappointing at times. When you think there's an awesome matchup for MBS, you throw him out there, he gets you a donut. That happened to me earlier this year, and I I, I loathe MBS. Do not like the player. And I finally decided to trust him earlier this season. He burned me. And But MBS had a decent game like last week too. Like I think he went three for 60 and won. At the end of the day, Travis Kelsey is going to be the focal point. Sure, Kadarius Tony could make, make something out of his role here. But we also got to think McCole Harden was out of this one coming in, Peter. Juju got Juju got knocked out early as well. So I'm not going to like light the world on fire going to try to get Kadarius Tony, but there could be some value here, especially the rest of this season. I just don't know what happens long term here in this offense. You still got Sky Moore. You still got some other talented younger wide receivers as well. So I, I'm not selling the farm for Kadarius Tony, but I, I, I get the intrigue and he could be. I don't want to say a league winner, but he could be a guy who gets you to the playoffs and is an interesting flex here down the road. But I am concerned that McCall Hardman's absence and Juju's absence did springboard him a little bit here in week 10. Um, if there's a player in Dynasty that you want to go and try and at least make an offer for, a good offer for in every league, who is that player? And to give you some time to think, so I realize I'm just throwing that at you cold it can be a really high value player like saying just get jefferson jefferson is obvious but i think everyone would try to get justin jefferson if they think there's a moment to get him or for that matter jamar chase although he might be a better answer right now because you could say you could trade justin jefferson for jamar chase and maybe get a plus which is a fairly rare occurrence when you've only got two players worth that much in dynasty right now i have before now jalen waddle was my answer for the last little while but he's just basically hit like he's maxed out like, there's no way you're not sending your best wide receiver in a first for Jalen Waddle right now. So it seems kind of weak to keep saying that. I like Rashad Bateman. He's probably priced. He's like wide receiver 22 in Dynasty. But I'm not sure he's the one I want to make sure I get in every league because his value is still pretty decent. Like, uh, Dynasty is not. And so right now, what I'm trying to think of right now is the running back position. I think there's some of the best values in Dynasty, and it's really awkward are running back right now because you've got older running backs who are probably going to keep producing, but we are looking at a couple good young running backs who disappointed this year, mostly because of injury. And I don't know where I'm coming at, but right now I think Javante Williams is the number one ad I've got. That's kind of off kilter. I think most people are trying to get out of Javante Williams rather than trying to get into him. He still holds a decently high value. I'm not saying because he only costs a second, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have to trade something pretty significant. And this offseason, it was Pat Faramuth. I just felt like he was discount Kyle Pitts. And now he's like plus Kyle Pitts, and it's still disappointing. But still, I felt like it was a pretty strong ad. Someone that wouldn't lose me value and really had a high ceiling. It's funny because even before you said narrow it down, you were kind of narrowing it down to running back or you were narrowing it down to Javante Williams was your guy. I was thinking Reese Hall. That's who I've been targeting these last Ooh, couple that's of weeks. that's a good one. I mean, mm-hmm. absolute electric metrics are still off the charts, man. I mean, you don't lose 98 percentile speed scores, burst scores. You don't lose that overnight in ACL. There's going to be some time that he's going to have a dip when he first comes back next year. Um, I, I did some work for one of the fantasy analysts in the community, and I learned a lot about, you know, there is going to be some fallback. Next year might not be Brees Hall's best year, 
but two years removed from the ACL, 2024, Brees Hall could be a beast again. We're seeing what Saquon Barkley this season now, two years removed from his ACL. I just think Brees Hall is a very special player. I think uh, Sala and that whole gang just have, have a special unit together right now. And he, what do we want in our running backs, Peter? We want running backs who can make big plays happen. He obviously can make that happen. He's a great receiving back. We, we saw that through his first six games. And just an electrifying player. I have some people offering me Brees Hall right now, actually, in a couple leagues. I'm kind of on the borderline of making playoffs. I have good teams, but it's just one of those things, bad luck kind of going my way, losing by less than 0.1 of a point, you know, those types of the leagues right now. And I'm considering what I want for Brees Hall or what I want to give up for Brees Hall. And I think you can go out right now, especially if you have a competitive team who maybe got that boost from Brees early, still lock into a playoff spot, sell player you don't need this year. You know, sell them away. I'm not afraid. I love this next draft class too. So I would be afraid to trade straight up first round picks for him or anything like that. But I'm willing to get rid of some of these older running backs. If if that means I can get Brees Hall, if I'm already out of it right now. Especially if you're already out. No, I think that's a really good take. I tell you what, looking up some trades last night, because I was trying to record this week's podcast like seven hours ago, because I'm really behind this week. I might have mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one I pulled up was Brees Hall, and I was struck by exactly how, like, I don't think I found a trade. I think I'm out of, like, the last 20 trades on the DLF Trade Finder, I think there was maybe two that I wouldn't have taken the Brees Hall side on. Because he's still really high-ranked, but if you go and look at the trades that are actually being done, because people can trade those points to winning teams. Mm-hmm. So they're trading a Ramondre Stevenson as, like, significant value because that team wants those points. And the trades are all great for the team that doesn't have to compete this year and might have Brees Hall next year. And like I said, the year after that. Number one in juke rate, number one in breakaway run rate so far this season. Brees Hall has been electric, man, and I think it will continue to be that. And uh, where can people find you? You just said in between media, but like uh, you're on Twitter, obviously at between underscore Seth FF. But uh, is there anywhere else you do live streams? You got your own podcast you want to shout out that people can find you quicker? More specific? Yeah, absolutely. Inbetweenmedia.com, guys. That's where we have all our written work, um, a lot of our other stuff. We got some merchandise coming out right now as well. And then uh, also over on YouTube, guys, In Between Media. Like I said, feel good lifestyle advice. We're just trying to make fantasy fun, man. Bring the good vibes back back to this community, back to this industry. Um, I have a blast over there. I got an awesome team. Everyone from Nate Polvoat, the Polvoat family, Scott Rainier, Munder Difflin, Trash Sandwiches. Like we're a different group, man. But uh, we have fun doing what we're we're doing, and we're continue to be us, man. So, uh, Peter, I appreciate the platform tonight, man. I appreciate the uh, the time. This was a, a absolute blast, man. No problem, man. Thanks for putting up with my scatterbrain nonsense tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. 
Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the place, no